0: to ya happy new year to ya make it be unprecedented don't fast forward okay i'm done i'm done i'm done all right hey guys happy new year welcome to 2021 i have already wasted some time with this intro so let's just get right into it Last year, I did something kind of crazy. I reached out to some of my heroes in the industry, and one of them was Lauren McGoodwin. If the name is unfamiliar, she is the CEO and founder of Career Contessa, which is really your one-stop shop to all things uh, how to land a job, how to keep a job, and how to excel in that job. Without kind of like the BS uh, advice that you get from everyone, this actually is super valuable and what I give to all. All of my clients when I give them resources. I invited her on, she bit, and in fact, we're kind of doing a little bit of a podcast swap. So she is on my episode today. I've already been on her podcast, so please make sure to check that out. Her podcast is called The Females, and it is basically the more elevated older sister of office politics. And with that said, I brought her on to talk about all things redefining everyday power moves, what it's like to foster your inner coach instead of your inner critic, and uh, what are those like old school resume and cover letter rules that we should be breaking now in 2021. If any of that sounds interesting to you, or if you just want to get the F unstuck in your current career, please keep listening. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. This definitely is one of the pinch me moment podcast guests. (laughs) I love Career Contessa and I am just very delighted that you made time for me today. Well, I am delighted to be here. Thank you. Of course. Now, I'm a fan and I know I just gave our listeners a little, you know, a little taste of who you are in the intro, but in your own words, um, can you give us a little bit on, you know, who you are and your background?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Laramie Goodwin. I'm the founder and CEO of Career Contessa. We are the largest online career resource built for women. Uh, men are allowed to use our resource, <laughs> too. Uh, pro-women doesn't always mean anti-man, everybody. Um, no, but Preach. We- Yeah, we are really, truly a one-stop shop for someone's career. And what was really important to me because I have a recruiting background is I didn't want to make a job site. I wanted to make a career site. So while, yes, you can use Career Contessa and our resources to find a new job and we do have job postings on there, we also have a ton of tools to help you grow in your career through every stage. And I would even argue every learning style. Um, I'm really big on not everybody learns the same way. Some Mm. people like you know, kind of the more step-by-step. So we have articles, podcasts, YouTube videos, almost everything is free. You only pay when you start to kind of get more hyper-personalized advice at Career Contessa through, we have a career coaching platform. And then we also have online career courses that teach really specific skills. But I mean, pretty much everything is free, including um, our anonymous salary database, which is called the salary project. So yeah, if you haven't checked it out, it's a juicy little thing to find out how much oh. of money people are making. It's so
0: exciting. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I have to just say this, guys. Like... I just basically send all of my friends and clients to this site because I'm like, oh, anything I can teach you, like she explains it, but also more succinct and with like better quality. So there we go. Well, we <laughs> so have a ton of you. worksheets too. And I
1: swear, you know, I was a, just to give you guys my background. So I, I graduated in 09, not a good year to graduate, but I graduated in <laughs> 09 in a recession. I was an education major and pretty much, you know, knew right away I didn't want to be a teacher. But the benefit of having the ed degree is you had to do so much student teaching and so I'm really big on applying kind of those skills to what we teach at Career Contessa. Um, For years, I used to say we're an education platform, but that was kind of confused people because whether it's a worksheet or an online course, when we're doing the how-to, it's all goes back to kind of those original skills I had, which is like, how do you teach in a classroom and make, you know, lesson plans and stuff.
0: So, you know, like you should remember that your major sometimes can come in handy. Um, yes. And actually, um, an episode is debuting tomorrow. Um, by the time this airs, um, the one with power women that is coming out and long story short, Timing is confusing right now because we're in the future, but yeah, <laughs> um, we were. But one of the things we talk about is how your crappy jobs basically help you with your successful jobs, yes. and we talked about being an admin assistant on your um on your podcast, and I still use things from when I was an intern and an office manager that I didn't learn being a senior manager. Right, um,
1: that's why it's so important to just like. Not get super hung up on the perfect job, but take a job because yeah. you learn something from every job and yeah to to your point, I was an admin assistant. Was that my dream job? Is that where I wanted to end up? Of course not, but without that, i couldn't have become a recruiter and and you know I think one of the the stories that people maybe have heard or have not heard about me is like I made this transition from admin assistant to a recruiter with no prior experience, and so one of the things. I believe and and what we teach at Career Contestant and why it's important is like, Career Contestant is the resource I wish I had had when I was making that transition. Then when I was a recruiter and you're on the other side of the hiring table – I, I just don't know what we're teaching about job searches, but it's, it's, it's not how they actually happen, you know? So so I'm thrilled if I can give any insider tips and advice of what's happening that that's, I love doing that for people. Cause I know what it's like to be stuck in that like constant loop of thoughts of like, is this as good as it's going to get? Like, am I stuck here forever? And that is a depressing rabbit hole.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, we we go down that rabbit hole on <laughs> my episode with you that is airing. So I'll have that in the show notes as well, guys. So oh, now one thing that I'm actually diving into as we speak, and uh, but again, by the time this airs, I would have already done a giveaway where we give away your book power moves. Um, I would just love to hear what is your definition of a power move?
1: Yes. So a power move is a habit an action or behavior that helps you build a successful and fulfilling career on your terms. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference between a power move and just any move is that it's made because you are being really proactive versus reactive. Um, So power moves have intention behind them. They are proactive things that you are doing to set yourself up But based in, not like based in success of other people or society's view, but based on what is a fulfilling and successful career to you. I know you talked about purpose-driven careers a lot, same idea. Um, We're just using different languages. I call them your career ideals, right? So for me, the power moves. and, And what I've learned after running Career Contessa for over seven years is that, at the end of the day, the women who have the most successful and fulfilling careers, it's because they are making these really intentional and deliberate and proactive moves. They they don't wait for something to just happen. Um, if it helps, uh, the, I'll say the opposite of a power move because sometimes that's Ooh, helpful. Yes. yes so the opposite of a power move is... Um, doing something because you think it's what you should be doing or society tells you you should be doing it. Um, the power moves are not quick fixes to long-term approaches. Um, it's kind of like how there's those fad diets and then there's that saying of like, it's a lifestyle. Yes. yes. <laughs> so so I've made up this word, but I call them power moves because I, I do think it's always funny when people will go, ooh, what a power move. And it's like, <laughs> But why are we only saying that or making those at dramatic moments, right? In the 11th hour mm. or something like there's no reason why we can't be
0: making these intentional moves um, on a regular basis. Absolutely. Actually, that really inspires some commentary about one thing that, you know, you and I were talking about entrepreneurship and look, look, you got those hard days, you have those sponsorships that fall through and you know, it's been a tough couple weeks for me personally. And I'm like, Jazz. like, you know, you're, you're planting the seeds now. So you are going through power moves or even just, um, I'll be a little more transparent. Getting paid on time can be really difficult when you're a freelancer. So it's now understanding, okay, how am I going to do my negotiations better the next time around? How am I going to look through my contracts differently moving forward? Um, so I do love, I love that idea that it's not just, you're going to pay me now. Yeah. Sometimes it looks a little different. So
1: <laughs> Totally. <laughs> and, and, you know, entrepreneurship, I will say too, is like, um, there is no, like, I know there's a lot of people who think they can teach you entrepreneurship. The only way you can truly learn entrepreneurship is get messy and get in it. <laughs> and you have to hang in the pocket a little bit longer. Yeah. Like, you know, I know that's a football metaphor and. I only know it's because my mom had to explain this to me because she like will <laughs> yell the TV about these quarterbacks. I'm like, what is happening? And it's like, you know, you have to hang in the pocket a little bit longer. And sometimes that's not the timeline that you want, but it's the right timeline. And it's what's needed in order to make it so that when you do throw the ball, it lands and gets to the touchdown. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. i I will only say this out there to all the entrepreneurs, including myself, is like the best thing you can do is then find a network of other people who have been in the same situation because they're gonna they're gonna listen to you every time you send them a text message. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. I will give out my phone number. Yeah, exactly. No, I won't, but yeah. <laughs> and speaking of um, kind of like the different voices that go through our head and you know criticisms, um, I want to talk about your inner critic versus your inner coach because I've heard you speak about this and I. Love it! I want everyone to hear this. What is the greatest distinction between an inner critic and an inner coach? <laughs> Kindness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no,
1: this is, Wait, this are is, you
0: telling me I should be kind to myself? That I'm telling
1: you hmm. that my question is: Has beating yourself up and being really unkind to yourself ever actually solved your problems? And I know this is, I know we're, we're all guilty of this and especially women, because I, I do yeah. think we use our inner critic as a, as a motivator. Um, it's sort of like, you know, when you're, you're, you're feeling down about yourself or that you're not as far in your career, you think, let me just beat myself up as much yep. as possible. And that will motivate me to get back up and go. And, yep. um, yep. this is advice I got from Christine Hassler. She's a life coach. And she was like, you know what? There's nothing actually wrong with the inner critic from the standpoint of like, they are usually coming from a good place and they do want to motivate you. The problem is in the execution. And so if you can learn how to change or or turn your inner critic into an inner coach, and I'll give you an example of what that looks like. You might have had a job interview and when you get off of it, your inner critic goes, oh my gosh, why did you not tell them about that amazing project? How could you have possibly answered like that? Like you're so stupid. That's an inner critic. An inner coach goes, and, and you can't have the pendulum swing like 180 degrees. Like your brain won't buy that. So you have to truly be a realistic coach. Mm-hmm. So you might say to yourself as an inner coach, like, okay, that didn't go exactly as planned. Um, it would have been better if when they brought up this, you know, you said that maybe in the future we should have some bullet points written down. So we don't forget that. Right. So this is a person who's Love not that. saying like you're the worst and you're never going to make it in life. Instead, they're saying, what can we learn and do differently from this? Because, um, that's that's the difference between people who like get up and keep moving forward and those you know to your point like planting seeds like you can plant a lot of seeds and some of them never grow but like the people Mm -hmm. who continuously get up and go are the ones who discover how to have take on more of this like coaching voice and and strategy with themselves
0: oh man I love that and thank you for the example that is like chef's kiss perfect (laughs) it. (laughs) And now the next thing I want to talk about is smart networking. So obviously we're in a virtual space. By the time this airs, I assume we will still be in a virtual space. Um, And networking was this word that used to elicit like such a like, like, weird Cringe face factor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's so like slimy. Um, And I've since really uh, repurposed my relationship with networking and seeing it more as connection. Um, but too often it feels so phony, which is why I love your platform and the advice of like pouring back into your network. Um, What other surrounding thoughts do you have on networking or advice you would give if people just like me get kind of squeamish when they hear the word?
1: Well, I'll tell you some of my biggest pet peeves <laughs> with Annette.
0: <laughs> <egg. laughs> uh, yes. let
1: to the negative. No, um, one of, the new
0: networking rule
1: that I think everyone needs to start abiding by is um, the double opt-in, meaning both parties opt-in to the introduction. So, for example, if someone came to me and they said, um, I want to be introduced to Jasmine, I don't, I don't just automatically make the email connection. I say Jasmine first. This is this person. Here's some background. Would it be okay if I introduce them? Because yes. I don't know if you are just too busy and overwhelmed and you just don't have time, the bandwidth to take. And by the way, it is totally okay to be like, I don't have the bandwidth to take on another conversation that may or may not go anywhere. Everybody is having this moment. And 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 also, not that they're just having this moment, but everyone needs to always be really thoughtful about like what do I need to focus on and what are my top three priorities and Mm -hmm. so sometimes it just doesn't lend itself to that um and so I'm really tired of people just being like oh I'll introduce you to this person and making it their problem because it it doesn't end up being very successful necessarily it can make you look bad and if they do connect and the person didn't really want to connect
0: with them that's just yeah it might not go well Absolutely. It's so funny that you bring that up because I started doing that this year as well. I think because I was put in positions where I'm like, "Uh, okay, now I feel like I have to do this thing. Um, And then it was funny because I would say, hey, I can introduce you to these people. I'll send you their LinkedIn, let me know, and then I'll ask them. Mm -hmm. And it was actually great because they're like, oh, actually, I don't think these two people would be a fit. But yes, I would love to reach out to that third person. Great. I didn't waste two other Grand yeah. adults' time. So I, yeah, I love that. well,
1: and people love having their
0: time respected. And then mm. the other networking
1: tip I will say, and this happened this has been happening to me a lot lately, where people want to partner and collaborate and they want to do all these things, and I don't care what word or phrase you use for it at the end of the day. um, people are running businesses or at least entrepreneurs or they work. And so their time is worth something. So being coming from a place less of like, how can you help me and more always from the, and I know everyone's heard this a million times, but, please start coming at it from a place of how I can add value to you without the assumption that you're going to get something back. Because I'm finding that this new trend is that people will offer you for help. And then six months later, they'll call in the favor. They'll be like, remember when I did yada, yada? So now I'm asking, <laughs> and it's like, wow. So I don't, I'm never going to do anything for anybody because I didn't know there were strings attached and that's not fair. Um, yes. Yes. And then my third networking tip, if you are like, "Well, what if I just want to like maintain my network and I want to be just better at it? I do this thing and I have a script or a template for it in the book too, where I pick two dates a year so my dates are New Year's and usually 4th of July <laughs> I try not to get like religious holidays in there and stuff oh. like that um, oh, yeah. and I send these basically no need to respond networking updates where I'll basically and and the the holiday is the the um, like the low hanging fruit to start the intro Or so for example on the day after New Year's I might send you an email Jasmine to say like hi I hope you had an awesome year probably make a couple jokes about 2020 let you know what I'm up <laughs> to too. And then I would just say, hope all is well. You don't have to respond. You don't have to do anything, but I'm top of mind for you. Right. Because exactly. we've been staying in touch with each other and good networking, um, probably takes you, I would say the minimum of three years before you can call in a favor.
0: Oh no. I like that. Oh, I have not heard. I just that made before. that rule up, but I think that's a, de- <laughs> I think that's a good rule we should go with.
1: <laughs> I love you that. need to build a relationship with me
0: for three years before you ask me for something. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Okay. New rule. Now, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> Switching gears just a little bit, I want us to dive into being in the professional development industry. Um, obviously, I'm still super new to it. So I'm learning every single day. But you are a veteran and you know you know this industry super, super well. So when it comes to like cliches and old advice, are there any recruiting rules or trends that you would love to leave in 2020? A lot. Um, (laughs) I
1: I think the biggest misconception of the recruiting rules is that it's a box, like a perfect square, and you have to follow these rules perfectly. I'd love to see people get more creative with how they problem solve. So for example... You want to transition into a career. You know you have the skills, but it doesn't look like that. So stop relying solely on just the resume and applying to jobs blindly, right? Maybe get more creative. Create a portfolio site, which is more of a show-don't-tell situation. Um, Have some informational interviews with people who work at the company. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, can you get – I guess just like be a more creative problem solver. And I don't see that a lot in recruiting. I see a lot of people get hung up on – well, I applied online. I didn't hear back. Or well, it said I need to have three years of experience and I don't. Well, it said this and this, you know, how that goes. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people probably want to argue that resumes are dead. They're not dead. They're just not us yeah. as a recruiters rely on them way too much. And oh, yeah. people have to remember me as a recruiter, I work for a hiring manager. So that hiring manager probably has an expectation that you're going to send me a pile of really good resumes. So I need you to keep sending me resumes and I need them to look good. And, and I also, you know, I love LinkedIn. I think optimized LinkedIn profiles are incredible. Um, and portfolio sites just help me that much more. And so many people, you guys, so many people never make a portfolio site and they never even think very much about their LinkedIn. So when I get from their resume to these other two things, it can, the weeding out process can go pretty quickly. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. that's not like a rule to, to leave behind. But, um, and then I'll just say my other, cause I'm big on resumes is, um, I like them to be one max two pages yep. and please make it easy and simple for me to find what I'm looking for. So that's another one where people are like, well, these are the rules of a resume we we've broken all the resume rules. Um, I'll tell you why in the old days there used to be a one way of doing it and you would send in a paper copy of your Mm -hmm. resume and they would just like you would apply for jobs by finding them in the newspaper. Like everything has changed. Okay. Like we, we don't send you an offer letter in the mail. We send it to you in an email, you know what I mean? like? So, so stop treating your resume. Like it has to be this thing, um, that, you know, your parents made when they were applying for jobs in the eighties, you know, now we can have a little bit more design, but not too much design. You don't want to make it hard for me to read. Um, and if you are applying through an applicant tracking system, Google, go to google and say how do you apply to a job with an applicant tracking system you'll see so much advice but the the general rule of thumb is that applicant tracking systems can't read design they can't read pdfs so they need a word document you don't need to make it fancy you know? okay i, <laughs> I
0: if fired i fired you up <laughs> oh my god i just because it was one of those things that i did not know until i was on the other side of it when i was working in lever and greenhouse and then yeah. i'm like what that this is beautiful. is and it does tend to happen with like more creative roles and I get yeah. it you want to show show off your flair and I'm like now I have to type it in manually and I'm not saying it's right but now I'm annoyed and yeah. now I'm I just want to move on to the next resume so um absolutely google it there's some templates I keep and I when I work with my clients I'm like this is what's actually just gonna show up really well um you can jazz it up if you want totally yeah. but this is one. And
1: it depends if you're like <laughs> applying to an applicant tracking system or sending your resume directly to a person. Mm-hmm. I would say follow the rule of the applicant tracking system. So you should always have a Word doc version of your resume. And then you can have something that looks a little nicer that you send to them when you're going in for the interview or having the interview. Or if you do find the person's direct email address to send it to, send them that nice PDF so the formatting doesn't get mixed up. But unfortunately, applicant tracking systems don't, they can't read design. Yeah. They don't know, oh, that's a lot or you wanted this to be a table column, they have no idea. So don't do it. Exactly. It, it. It was just I know you have good intentions, but just as a pro tip, like to your point, Absolutely. you don't know this unless you're on
0: the other side. Exactly. And then actually one thing that I think is always a hot topic um, with recruiters and those who are not even in the industry, what's your take on cover letters? And if you are pro cover letter, do you have any um, strong opinions on how they should be written?
1: So I know everyone's going to hate this, but I love cover letters. And I'll tell you why. Because (laughs) when I was working at Hulu, I worked for um, for one of my hiring managers and she was like a big time exec at Hulu. She told me, do not bring me a resume unless it has a cover letter and the cover letter better be good. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, And it weeded out so many people because so many people did not submit a cover letter. And so the reason why I'm very pro cover letter is you don't know if you're going to get her or you're going to get the person who's like, I don't
0: care at all about cover letters. I never read them. You don't know. Okay. All I can tell you is we share the exact same ideology. In fact, somebody slid in my DMs like, Hey, my little brother doesn't want to write one. What do you think? I'm like, I'll be honest. Did I read every cover letter? Absolutely not. But do what I work for hiring managers who would say that so I'm yeah. like, just write one, and then a rule of thumb um, might be personal. If you don't want to sit down and write one, I don't know how bad you really want the job. Yeah, um, you know. And so, yeah. yeah, I I would also argue that when it came down
1: to, okay, we've got ten good applicants, but we're only going to phone inter or set up phone interviews with six of them. Um, who wrote the cover letter? Maybe I read it, maybe I don't. But they put in the effort, like. You have to remember that it's humans making decisions about a lot of this, and like, who knows what yes. they woke up feeling like that day, you know? Oh. Or especially if the role is anything has anything to do with writing, then yes. they might want to see samples of your writing work. Um, Absolutely. So, and 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 my advice for the cover letter is, you know, someone you want to keep someone's attention, so please don't make it boring. Use storytelling. Make it yes. one page. Um, I really like when people um and this is probably just a personal preference but I like when they get a little creative. Like one time yes. I had this girl who applied for a job. Not, and this is crazy because this is like 7 years ago and I remember her opening line and it was like it was like 3000 miles, 15 states, like 25 hotels. What do these have in common? Like I traveled around the country like Uh, doing this thing for a nonprofit. And that's why I'm your next, yada, yada. And it was like, but like, it was such a good, interesting opening line that I can't emphasize enough, like the storytelling aspect of like, who are you? What have you done? And why does it matter to us? And the last tip I'll say for cover letters is remember that we've, we, the recruiter or the team has spent a lot of time writing that job description. So that job description is telling you what we want in a candidate, what we think is going to be a really good fit for this role. So use that job description to help you write your cover letter. And the last pro tip I'll say is let's say you're applying to be, um, I don't know, a social media coordinator at a, at an ad agency go find four or five other job descriptions for a social media coordinator at ad agencies. They've all spent time writing these cover or these uh, job descriptions. You'll find enough good tips in there that when it comes to highlighting what you've done, It's all the pieces are right there. And I guarantee all these people who don't want to write cover letters pretty soon, they'll be like, oh, this isn't that bad. Like, it's actually a little bit easier because I have all the things I need. It's like, if someone laid out a perfect kitchen of all the ingredients and gave you the instructions, you probably don't have, or or the recipe, you probably don't
0: have a problem cooking, you know? Okay. So you... My little secret weapon, my you 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 exposed it. So when people <laughs> ask me to rewrite rewrite their cover letter or their resume, and they're like, "Oh my god, like how is this so good?" And some of it is because I love to make it super authentic to who they are. But also, what you just said, I'm like, I when I do the intake form, I'm like, okay, what jobs are you applying for? I go and find five similar jobs, yeah. and I I just say, okay, what are the common like? It's like a Tetris basically, yeah. and. So you just, it's think like a strategist, not some, not a job seeker, if that makes sense.
1: Well, and like, don't overthink it, right? Uh, We've done a lot of the thinking for you. I had to write some of the job descriptions at Hulu, and I write all the job descriptions when we are hiring at at Career Contessa. And I'm not always starting from scratch. Sometimes I'm borrowing ideas from other people's job descriptions. So no one's really always starting from complete scratch. And so, um, but we are spending a lot of time and energy writing those. So it's really appreciated when we find someone who seems to fit the bill really well. Um, And it's like,
0: there's no reason why you can't. We're telling you it right there. Exactly. Boom. Thank you. Um, And then as far as things being relevant, as it relates to career advice, do you ever struggle with putting yourself in the client's shoes now that you've been a coach and a CEO for close to a decade? Um, Sometimes. I mean,
1: certainly being an entrepreneur, you kind of I think especially running a career site, I always ask myself like, am I still able to understand where people are coming from even though I don't work in like a 2000 person company or on a team with 15 or 20 people? Um, I will say that the only way to not kind of, get in your own head about that is I'm, so I manage all of our social media accounts on purpose, not because I couldn't hire someone to do it, but because I like talking to people all the time. So I do all the customer service, all the client stuff and all the social media on Career contests. So I'm constantly hearing and talking to people. So I oh, think as a awesome. CEO, if you get too or, or anybody who's in any space, if you get too separated from, why you started and, and who you are building this for, where you can't relate to them or they can't mm. relate to you more importantly, then yes, I can understand having that feeling. Um, but because, so for example, I had someone yesterday who asked me about, is there any way that I can spot a toxic work environment from the interview process? Right. So like someone's mm-hmm. asking me that I'm talking to her in this DM and and I'm learning them and, and I'm, I'm learning and I'm hearing it. So that advice then kind of keeps me more grounded and like, oh yeah, this is something that would be top of mind right now because toxic workplaces are, um, again, as people think about 2021 and where they apply, like maybe they don't have to apply to only companies in Denver. Yep. So now they're thinking, and like they're getting a little bit pickier about this. So Absolutely. I I think that yes and no, it's, it's certainly sometimes something I get a little nervous about. But I try to be proactive about, you know, not having that happen um, with talking to people.
0: That's actually really great for me to learn um, just hearing you say that because sometimes I'm like, oh, if I had the money, maybe I would hire a social media manager just to keep up with certain things. And then I'm like, no, but I like having that connection. And I like people knowing it's me. And it's so funny because you and I have interacted on Instagram and I love knowing that it's you behind behind the keyboard. So that's, actually yes, yeah. just- if you DM yeah. us, I'll, I'll read it. I'm in there.
1: I, and I do, I do our webinars also, which are like anything where you are able to speak one-on-one and engage with your audience. I just think it's important to hold on to that. Um, and that was something I learned from, uh, and these are like, not Sam like the equivalent of a CEO at Hulu, but the CEO at Hulu would read the customer service intakes uh, every day. He would read like ten to fifteen of them. and that was sort of like where I learned like, hey, you you better be like on the ground level with your
0: Absolutely. customers
1: or or you won't know.
0: Mm, I love that. Now, how do you vet your own advice before dispensing it? aka, do you feel comfortable like showing a wound before it's a scar? definitely
1: I feel like especially writing the book I think all the imposter syndrome feelings that you can possibly have came up uh they still (laughs) come up like there's there's this feeling of like is my advice good enough but there's also this feeling of like is your advice unique enough is your advice something that people really need to hear like all those feelings pop up so I would say the only way to do this is to wean into those feelings of like, let me show my vulnerability. Let me tell you how this has gone wrong for me. And it humanizes you. It's better for your audience who is engaging with you also. Um, And I think now, especially people want brands where the brand does have some transparency to it, um, versus appearing to have this Pinterest perfect life. Yeah. Everything's yeah. curated. <laughs> um, and so I try, I try to, you know, I try to find the line between doing that and, and also, um, remembering that like, Hey, I have a family and I have friends and I have employees who have lives and, and keeping the line between some of those things. Like I don't necessarily want everyone to have so much access to my life all the time. So like, I would say maybe like the scar, or the wound is like, sometimes I'm not willing to go hundred percent there, but right. one of the things that really helps, and I talk about this a lot and like, I, I do this, well, was monthly. It's probably quarterly now. Email <laughs> newsletter to everybody. Sorry, everyone. Um, is <laughs> is you know, I talk about glitter and glue and like stain in your lane. And like, so the glitter are all the like braggy moments that people like to put on Instagram, but the mm-hmm. glue is like the behind the scenes that keeps yeah. it all running. And I would say we talk about that a lot at Career Contessa, like, is this a glitter item or a glue item? We really err more on the side of like glue and also stain in our lane. So you don't see us you don't see us go too far out of the world of career advice, um, which also helps protect a little bit about that, you know.
0: Absolutely. I love, I love what you said, the glitter and the glue. And and it's so interesting to find out that a lot of your audience resonates to the glue, and that's what they want more of. So um I love that you share that with us. And speaking of just women in the workplace, um, you know, obviously. Feminism has been a much larger conversation, which is fantastic. Um, And I'm really thankful to just see so many more companies take it seriously and create resources and, and develop programs. How would you like to see the conversation shift in 2021 and the remainder of the decade as it relates to women in the workplace?
1: I would really like their I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, but I also think, like with most good things, there were a couple of people who took oh. it the wrong direction, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like uh, there was this article by Rachel Cargill, this was like two years ago, and it was like feminism is just white supremacy and heels, and uh-huh. I, yeah, and I when I read that article, I was like, she is so dead on with this comment, and so I would say that like. Mm-hmm. commoditizing feminism and, and and finding ways to monetize it and have it be like this mission of your company like I have two views of this do I think some of the women founders were definitely held to higher standards um because they mixed feminism in with whatever product they were trying to sell yes I do believe that but I also believe that a lot of this feminism stuff went from being um truly built upon like I don't know, like really solid foundation to now let's try to make a dollar out of this. And and
0: yeah, I'm so, that I don't want to see more of. <laughs> snapping? No, girl, I'm so happy you just, oh, that's how I feel. I've written about corporate feminism and how it can um, suppress black voices, but also yeah. it can just feel very like, pandering. Um but even as we saw things with, you know, Black Lives Matter this year and and it was weird cuz for me as a black woman cuz part of me was like okay, yes, I'm thankful that we are finally having these overdue conversations, but also it kind of also seems like you're trying to make a buck off of like performative wokeness and yeah. um, that doesn't feel good either and my opinion and it sounds like you share the sentiment please don't come to me with your d program or that don't show me that you finally hired a Black leader if it's still like you need to go to an Ivy League school to be successful here. It's the same people who are failing upwards and it is the same f- silo of... Uh, of voices being heard at your company, because that's not diversity of thought. And mm-hmm. I think that's what people forget. It's it's not just about seeing black and brown um, faces in the audience. It's also just having diversity of thought and inclusion. And, and sometimes it goes beyond vanity. Just um, one thing I had to learn was how much ageism is prevalent in the startup world. And it really wasn't until somebody had left a company I was at and they gave feedback. And, you know, you're confronted with, oh, this is how we make it very, like, if you're 25 and single, great. If you're not, you know. Yeah, a lot of startups struggle with that. Like, you know, if your
1: average age of your company is 26, then, and you don't have a maternity (laughs) leave policy, then anyone (laughs) who comes in who is 34 and pregnant is going to feel out of place, right? You're right. It's not even about like DEI, it can be about ages. Yeah. And I think that's another thing is like, you know, feminism became more of this like DEI thing versus like a human thing, you know? And <sighs> yes. I, I think, what can I say? I, I, when like Me Too was happening, I remember getting asked a lot about like, oh, is this, you think this is going to change the landscape? And I remember having this thought like, well, we're, we're calling out the men for these like <laughs> incredibly inappropriate and wrong things, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But what happens when we start to call out the women who are also doing like, maybe they're not sexually harassing you, but they're doing something else. Like, so at the end of the day, it's like, it's not a men versus women, masculine versus feminism. It's, it's a human thing. And, um, work has to be approached with like more of this human view of stuff because we can't continue. I mean, you can, you can certainly like, that's how the workplace was for a long time. but the, the reality is that employers today aren't going to get that retention. Like 30 years ago, you could treat people like that because also they they weren't as aware of all the career options they have. And now people are definitely doing that a lot more. So I think you're asking a good question. I'm hesitant to like make any predictions because mm-hmm. I feel like I've been through this a few times, like between Lean In, Me Too, <laughs> Now Black Lives Matter. Like I've now looked at right, right. like three movements where... Yeah where all this amazing stuff was going to happen for women and sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I mean, this sounds bad, but it's like one of the reasons why career contests still exist because women are still treated differently at work, not just by yeah. men, but by women also sometimes. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. No, I, I think I, I fully embrace everything you're saying. And if I, if, if you were to volley the question back to me, it, Wait, you you hit the nail on the head. I was just telling my therapist this. I want to see the conversation just be more about it's a human thing. I don't want anything that's pro woman to be anti man or something to be pro black and anti white. It's like, yo, the, like the end result I'm going for is equality. I don't want it to be. Now Blacks are, you know, on top and everyone else is below us. It's And at the same time, though, at. it's like we did this
1: series on our podcast
0: and it was called Black
1: Women In and then someone mm-hmm. will be like, why are you guys sending me an email where it's calling like you're only doing this for Black women? And it's like, OK, I, I, I'm yeah. at a loss because if you're not aware of why, you know, there should be specific attention spent toward, um, highlighting the voices of black women and how they're treated differently in the workforce. And then, then you're asleep. <laughs> you're totally <Yeah>. asleep
0: <laughs> sleep at the wheel. Yeah. Sleep
1: at the wheel for way too long.
0: <laughs> Pop quiz. Do you like a free things b pretty things C, things that can help you in your career. D, things that can make you more money. Or E, all of the above. Well, shoddy, if you picked E, not only are you listening to the right podcast, but I'm about to send you to the right place. If you head on over to revoltcareernetwork.com, you can find their free, like, 0.00 Revolt Job Search Guide. And it's not just about securing another job, but securing a job that gives you passion and purpose. The Revolt Job Search Guide is a roadmap to creating a job search that provides you with meaning through a professional self-analysis. This guide isn't just the kind of stuff you can Google. It's going to teach you more than just the bare, basic steps of what a job search entails you'll learn how to leverage your value for the right job, company, and industry. When we stop searching for the right job and start aligning ourselves to our purpose, girl, the game changes. So if you've been looking to get unstuck Or if you were unfortunately furloughed or fired in 2020, please, please, please pick yourself up, put the wine down, and go on over to revoltcareernetwork.com and search for the Revolt job search guide. It's free, it's helpful, it'll help you secure that next job, secure the bag, and get on with your life. Well, now next you get to experience our traditional industry rapid fire. So you can answer it as an entrepreneur, um, a recruiter. I always say like, come one, come all. And this is where (laughs) everyone gets like, you know, your free advice. So what is the biggest misconception about your industry?
1: Ooh, that is
0: such a good question.
1: Um, well, I'll take it from the entrepreneur standpoint. I think the biggest misconception is that it's easy and that it's profitable right away and that mm-hmm. anyone can do it um mm-hmm. I, there's something glamorous about this job i hate to say it and yeah. um it really just takes a consistent you know one foot in front of the other every day and um i think the misconception is that we're all rolling in the dough over here with yeah. <laughs> Oh no. Stuff. If you are, can you call me? Because I want to know who who's rolling in the dough with this. I mean Me too. Yeah, running an online business is real I mean, there are pros and cons to all of it, but like running businesses it's hard. It's just it's hard. hard.
0: And there's so much money that goes right back into your business. And I thought as a solo entrepreneur, I was like, Oh, my Squarespace, my annual fee. Oh my god, no, between like QuickBooks and um like can and that's like the, the basic stuff. It's you still have to like the legal stuff that I had to pay for. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh boy, yeah, big girl, yeah, purchases. always save more than you think you need. <laughs> yes, oh, and now I'm doing the quarterly taxes, and I'm like, oh yeah, 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 okay, yeah. <laughs> now, what is your least favorite part about your industry?
1: Um, I would say the least favorite part of my industry are people who, um, you'll probably appreciate this. Because like the person who woke up yesterday and was like, "Oh, I'll be a career coach and I'll start selling this <laughs> thing and do yada yada," and you're like, "Okay, I I really really need you to be a responsible human about this and not sell a two thousand dollar product to somebody where it's not going to actually help solve their like I I hate yes. that kind of stuff. Um, yes. and there's a lot of this in this like online world I know, but um, I, I just. I guess my least favorite part of this like online uh world are the people who I don't know, I just feel like I
0: feel like you're like stealing oh. for people, you know? Yes, absolutely. Or just some things that I've even been a part of where I'm like, This isn't this isn't helpful, this isn't a value add for anybody, but yeah. you just I think everyone before they buy something, they
1: should truly look at the credibility of someone and it's yes. like Have they been there and actually done that and and successfully done that so they can actually teach you or are they, you know, copying a bunch of buzzwords from sales pages and putting it on there? And I, this, this will probably don't at me, but you can at me in my, (laughs) uh, um, I don't believe you can teach entrepreneurship. I, I don't believe in these, like, I'll teach you how to run and launch your business. If it took three months or seven months to truly run a successful business, that person wouldn't be teaching you business. They'd be running their own successful business. So my, Mm. my point is like, I'm, I'm, that's like the ugly side of this, like online world. And, you know, so that, that's the part I don't like. I, I really wish there was a little bit more of a, like, I don't know, like you had to actually like be legit before you could just start selling that kind of stuff a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And what is the best thing about your industry and profession? The best thing is that um, it's accessible. So, you know, oh, before, answer. if you wanted career
1: advice like this, I would say you had to go to like a university where you got access to a career center. Um, I think resources like Career Contessa that provide access to everybody, and obviously we give mostly free access to everybody. Um that's my favorite part about running an online business is it doesn't matter what university you've gone to, what, where you live, um, what you, you know, your career goal is versus someone else's, um, all the advice is applicable to everybody and everyone has all the tools there to do it. it you know, then, it, then it really comes down to like their willingness to do it, which is, you know, that's to the individual.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And then finally, what is the hiccup or failure you would never change about your journey or that you are the most grateful for? Oh, I've had so many. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's another part of
0: entrepreneurship. uh, Yeah.
1: I mean, I've had a lot of, um, and you'll probably appreciate this, where like, I've hired people or consultants or third parties or whatever to like solve my problem. My husband always says this to me. He's like, you need to stop hiring people or things thinking that like, once you hire it, like it solves the problem. Like the problem isn't solved just because like you hired this or that. And so, um, yeah. You know, I look back and I've learned a lot from wasting money and resources on hiring the wrong people or mm-hmm. going down a rabbit hole that, you know, I on paper maybe looked really good and that just doesn't always execute in real life that way. Um, like I would, I would say like the few times I didn't listen to my gut, I've, I've always it's always been like, oh, you should have listened to your gut. It's just one of those nope. lessons that you eventually I don't even know if you eventually get there, but you just kind of build up a little bit more of a like internal voice. It's like, this seems too good to be true. So yes. I know I'm being vague because I'm like trying not to say these things specifically, but like of course. I I think that things can look write on paper and not execute like that in real life. And then also just be really thoughtful about like when you're hiring someone, are are you already assuming the problem is solved just because of the hire?
0: That is, oh my God, you've given... Honestly, this needs to be like a, like a business coaching session and I need to pay you. You can bill me later because I, I am learning that right now. But yeah. where can everyone keep up with you, Lauren? And don't forget, her book is out now and I just had a giveaway, but I will do more giveaways this year. But um, where else can people keep up with you? Yeah, so Career Contessa, uh everywhere
1: at Career Contessa or Career My book is called Power Moves, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot, and Build a Career of Purpose. And you can find it on Career Contessa or you can go to powermovesbook.com. Yep. Um, I don't post that much on my personal Instagram, but if you're into that, you can follow me on Instagram. It's <laughs> at Lauren McGoodwin. <laughs> You'll see my three <laughs> posts a year. Um <laughs> And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Career
0: Contessa, power moves, more to give up. Perfect. Perfect. And oh, while you have you here, anything we should look forward to in 2021?
1: Uh, you know what? I, I've been asked this a lot and I'm telling everyone I am not doing any, I'm not making any plans for 2021. I, I'm also having a baby in March. So like partially that was like forced upon me to not make any plans, but I already was like. I'm not making any plans in 2021. I'm just going to let the year happen. And we're going to focus on sustainable growth because 2020, you bit us in the ass hard. (laughs) (laughs) So no, no, not falling for this. Uh -uh. I need to see terms and conditions of 2020.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too, for the rest of the decade. Okay. Yeah. (gasps)